Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo on all the social media. And we are 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. It's great to be with you. This is the celebration of Mother's Mother's Day weekend, the weekend edition of This is America. We just finished celebrating the National Day of Prayer. We just finished celebrating, of course, I mentioned it in the last show, Cinco de Mayo, which is the celebration of Rich Valdez. Yes, that's my... 43rd trip around the, uh, whatever I go around. Anyway, what I want to talk about today is how do we beat an adversary that doesn't come for life and family and children? You know, they don't care for that. They come for it, but they don't care for it. They reject God, our flag, and our founding. They're willing to not procreate, to forsake family, and earn a living off of your tax dollars. How do you defeat an opponent that will drop everything to go protest in another state. Heck, they're ready to move to another state just to win elections. These are people who will actually hate themselves. They'll hate their own heritage just so that they can hate the founding and liberty and history of our nation. They support the elimination of whiteness in order to divide and conquer we the people to separate us by race and income and sex and religion and anything else, to promulgate just this modern-day oligarchy, an American oligarchy, acting like Marxist Robin Hoods, because that's who they aspire to be, all in the name of power and prejudice and poverty. This poor judgment is afflicting and infecting a portion of people who call themselves progressives. But those progressives and their thinking, it's sneaking into a lot of institutions. And we talk about this all the time, but I want to talk about a specific institution today, being that we just celebrated the National Day of Prayer. And I mentioned it on the last show that good old Joe El Baboso Biden seemed to, uh, I'm going to say forget to be generous, to forget to mention God in his Day of Prayer speech. But that's putting it generously. To be more nefarious, he intentionally left it out. And the question is, is there an attack on the church? Is there an attack on faith? Is there an attack on religious freedom here in America? I'm going to venture to say that there is because there's lots of proof. And we've got a couple of people lined up that are going to talk to you about that. So I don't want you to move a muscle. I want to jump right into this. We're going in head first. So if you want to learn about this, do not move a muscle. 
And again, thank you for tuning in and thank you for all the support that you've put out there. I've gotten a lot of response about the tour that we're doing this summer. So thank you for that. I'm looking forward to meeting with you guys when we go to Miami, when we go to Los Angeles. So keep that in mind uh, and let me know your thoughts. But right now we're going to jump right into this. So keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. Straight ahead, we're going to talk to Austin Roos. Keep it locked right there. This is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Para Inglés, o primo al número dos, para Rich Valdez, y esto es América, ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And we've got a special guest, as promised, Austin Roos. He's the author of the new book, Under Siege, No Finer Time to Be a Faithful Catholic, and I find it remarkable that, you know, we talked about in the last episode, we just lightly touched on the idea that Joe Biden didn't even mention the word God on the National Day of Prayer. And we're supposed to trust him. This is the candidate that campaigned with a rosary in his hands. So I want to bring Austin Roos in to tell us a little, you know, to get his take on that, to tell us a little bit about the book and uh, to really get his take on What's going on right now with the political space and how it's intersecting with the faith space? Austin Roos, welcome to This is America. Uh, delighted to be with you. Thank you. My pleasure, sir. So what was your initial reaction to hearing uh, President Biden just totally forget uh, or maybe uh, intentionally omit uh, the word God, let alone Christ or any other deity, but just really just not mention it at all on the National Day of Prayer? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> Joe Biden is a little bit of a mess when it comes to issues of the faith. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, this is a guy who is reinitiating the, uh, the, the, the persecution of the little sisters of the poor because they don't want to provide contraceptives, uh, pay for contraceptives in, in their, in their health plan. Uh, you know, and this is a guy, as you say, parades around with his rosary, yet he never met an abortion that he didn't like. Um, so so mm -hmm. nothing really surprises me with regard to the faith and Joe Biden. You know, and this is uh, troubling, I think, for many people. And this was a big issue during the campaign because a lot of people were saying, you know, Joe Biden, he can only go to certain Catholic churches. A lot of Catholic bishops have said, you know what, we're not going to serve this uh, candidate uh, communion because we feel that his position on so many issues, let alone the position of life, is just not congruent with the teachings of the Catholic Church. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. 
Well, you know, uh, let, let, let me just take a little different uh, angle on this, and that is I find it profoundly interesting that the proper reception of the Eucharist is a part of our national debate. You know, this started with John Kerry in 2004, and it's, it's a modern-age problem because it, it, it really only entered in since, since Roe v. Wade in 1973. I mean, there were some bishops who excommunicated uh, racist politicians back back in the back in the 50s but but this is a whole new part of that debate so the debate now is over the proper reception of the eucharist as a catholic i'm disappointed that you know that more bishops are not saying that he can't take communion but i'm really heartened by the fact that this is such a hot debate this has been a hot debate since 2004 i think it's fascinating and it's also i think very educational for regular people Catholics and non-Catholics, that this is such an important issue in the church. Yeah, and uh, the reason, of course, we're talking with you, Austin Roos, and for those who may not be familiar with Austin Roos, he's the president of the Center for Family and Human Rights and the author of Under Siege. No finer time to be a faithful Catholic. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about uh, the center, CFAM, and then um, after that, we'll go into the book. See, we started CFAM in uh, 1997. Um, you know, after the Cairo conference in 1995 and then the Beijing conference in, in, uh, in uh, a year later. And so we founded CFAM in 97 to participate in the U.N. debate on social issues. So our primary work is assisting governments in negotiating documents in order to make sure that abortion doesn't become a universally recognized human right, that the family is not redefined. Um, in, in international law, that sexual orientation and gender identity don't become new categories of non-discrimination in international law. So we, we participate in the U.N. debate pretty much every single day throughout the year and have now for going on 25 years. And do you feel like you're winning the fight? Do you feel like you're just holding the line? What, what's the, the view from the front line? Well, at the U.N., uh, we have essentially blocked an international right to abortion. So, so at, you know, in the U.N. context, we're winning. Uh, the family has never been redefined. Sexual orientation, gender identity are not new categories of non-discrimination in international law. So we've always been able to cobble together enough member states to say no to you know, the Obama administration, the Clinton administration, and the Biden administration, the European Union, the Nordic countries who are all pushing you know, sexual radicalism. Uh, we've been able to partner with, you know, many governments in Latin America, Asia, Africa, in order to block these things. So within the context of the United Nations, we are winning and have for a quarter century. Okay. Now, I've mentioned that you're the author of this new book. Uh, tell us um, not just a little bit about the book, but obviously it says Under Siege. The title reads Under Siege. No finer time to be a faithful Catholic. And I guess let's unpack that part. Uh, what's under siege and why is this the best time to be a faithful Catholic? Well, the whole book is actually summed up in, in the title and the subtitle. Uh, I, I think that most Catholics who are serious about their faith understand that society, the larger culture, the, the, the media, Hollywood, the academy are all against us and really are coming for us. Um, you know, just as I mentioned, Little Sisters of the Poor. But I mm -hmm. look at that and I see that God himself sent us to fight his battle at such a desperate time as this. So, so we are under siege as faithful Catholics, but golly, he sent us. And what a remarkable time it is to be alive. So, yeah, so faithful Catholics and other Christians, too, have to look 
the right way at the age we're living in. We're living in through one of the most remarkable epochs the church has ever known. Um, and, and I urge people in the book not to miss it because you can make the world a better place by doing just a very little and be precisely because uh, we are surrounded by a hostile culture. So that, that's, that's really the book in a nutshell. Now, I guess you just mentioned something that I think to me is, is the hot button issue, at least in talk radio, is everybody listens to talk radio and their, their emotions and passions become inflamed and they, they get so upset at what they hear from the analysis we give on the news of the day. And then all of a sudden, the next question that arises is, what can we do? And you just mentioned that, yeah. you know, there's little things you can do. Uh, I guess go into depth on what is it that the faithful Catholic can do to help uh, prevent the leftist takeover, to help prevent this, um, uh, I'm going to use anti-Christian um, or, yeah. an, you know, antagonistic towards the Christian faith uh, movement that we see coming not only in the international community, but also, um, you know, right in our own government. Well, you know, people can do a very little and they can do quite a lot. Um, and I know that it's, it's dangerous out there to, you know, to put your head above the foxhole because you can lose your job. You know, if you speak out on, on the sexual orientation issue, you can lose your job, lose friends. Uh, you speak out on the transgender issue, lose, lose your job, lose friends. So it, it, it's like you can do a very little if you're worried, and then you can charge the sniper's nest, which is kind of what I do. Uh, but what are little things that people can do? They can find the local pro-life and pro-family group that they really like and send them a check every single month. Send them 10 bucks a month. That will make a, that will make a, a huge difference in, in the lives of the people who are, in fact, taking a public stand. They can go down to the local school board and find out which member of the local school board is fighting the good fight. Go to a meeting shake his hand, tell him he's doing a great job because he feels besieged. People can stop using political, politically correct language. You know, stop saying chair when you mean chairman. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, never use, you know, cisgender and all, all these new made up terms. You know, it's, it's, it's male and female. It's not gender, it's sex. So, so people can correct their language that has been imposed upon us by the left. They can shake the hand of the school board. They can send a check uh, or they can make public statements. At the very least, they ought to the family and friends ought to know where you stand on the issues of the day. Um, so there's a whole host of things that people can do. And like I said, we're so under siege that anything you do will make the world a better place. Mother Teresa said we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. So, and that's what that means these days is being faithful among your friends and family. And if you can, to the larger world around you. All right. That's Austin Roos. Uh, the book is under siege. Uh, Austin, tell us where everybody that's listening can get a book and can help out. Well, you know, at, at, at fine bookstores everywhere, uh, at Amazon, uh, the, the book has been number one in Catholic new releases for a couple of weeks. So there's, there's a lot of good uh, vibe about the book out there right now. And I'll tell your listeners, it's the shot in the arm that they really do need. The book takes you through the shadow of the valley of death, but it takes you to the other side on what a remarkable time it is to be alive. Excellent. We'll leave it there. Thank you for joining us again. The book is under siege. He's Austin Roos. Thank you 
for joining us, my brother. It's always a pleasure, and we want to check in with you again often. And we're also going to talk about, from the evangelical perspective, we're going to speak with a uh, Christian evangelical pastor about this leftist takeover and some work that he's put to paper called The Christian Left. So uh, stay tuned. Up next, we've got Pastor Lucas Miles, and we're going to have a conversation on leftism and how it's creeping in through the church. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. What's up, America? Bienvenido. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And as promised, we've got our guest that's going to help us break this down, how the left is infiltrating not just higher education, not just the government, but uh, the left is, and I'm talking about leftist Marxist propaganda, making its way into the church. Now, this is not necessarily a new concept, right? There's this whole idea of liberation theology was that Jesus was a socialist. Right? Jesus is a communist. And, and that's been going on forever. But it, it's making an ugly resurgence. And somebody that's an expert on that is Lucas Miles. He's a writer, speaker, a life coach. He's produced a movie. And he's the senior pastor at Oasis uh, Granger, a community church that he and his wife, Chrissy, planted in 2004. And Lucas Miles just wrote this new book, The Christian Left. And I met him personally at CPAC. And when I saw that my buddy Steve Baldwin uh, really kind of signed off on this book and said, you know what, this is a, a really good book and it covers such an important topic. I said, you know what, I really want to get him on the show. And I'm glad that we were able to put it together to celebrate the release of his book. So um, welcome, Lucas Miles. Welcome to This is America. Hey, thanks for having me on. You got it, my brother. So tell us a little bit about the problem, right? I mean, obviously, there's lots of problems going on. But what problem do you address and uh, kind of um, go after in your new book, The Christian Left? Absolutely. So, you know, really what I've traced is this growing constituency of, you know, Christians and at times sort of Christians by name only who have become infatuated by with progressive ideology liberal theology, and at times, as you mentioned, Marxist theory, which shows itself in things like liberation theology, critical race theory, et cetera. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people you know, have seen this in their home churches, uh, and some, some Christians have welcomed it, but the problem is that this, uh, this Christian left, as I, as I call it, has started pulling the church away from Scripture, away from really orthodox Christian views, uh, and if you're somebody who believes in the Bible and believes in biblical Christianity, this is concerning for you because a lot of these concepts are antithetical to Scripture. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we're starting to see more ideology, pro-choice, uh, uh, you know, messaging, uh, pro-LGBT agenda, uh, you know, pro-socialism, pro-Marxism coming out of Christianity. And so this is something for the biblical Christian. I think it's concerning and that we really need to be aware of so that we make sure that we ourselves don't get pulled away, you know, further and further uh, from really the message of the cross. I think that's well said in, in stating the problem, because um, obviously this is something that I think everybody's going through. And a lot of people have, I guess, encountered this and um, some may have suspected it, but thought, no, no, not my pastor. How could they be getting involved in that? And a couple of weeks ago on this very program, I mentioned that a, a friend of mine, who uh, is a senior pastor somewhere, and this has nothing to do with him, but he's also hosting a television show and had some guests on, and they were kind of outwardly avowed um, Marxists, not necessarily by name, but by deed and the things that they were representing. And I think they all believe that these things were all good and holy. So I think, it, it to me, it becomes a fundamental question of, 
Uh, well, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's good. So uh, both as a activist and as a pastor, how do you kind of address this problem of liberation theology and the Christian left, you know, kind of succumbing to communist activists? Absolutely. So, you know, I think first off, it's important to realize that the left, as much as they talk about the separation of church and state, they really don't want the separation of church and state. They want a church that is subservient to the state. And that is really a Marxist concept. You know, we saw this in uh, sort of a, a more direct version of this in Nazi Germany. You know, during World War II, uh, there was a there was a subset of the Nazi party that was referred to as positive Christianity or positivist Christentum. And, and basically what positive Christianity was, is it was essentially the, the Nazi party that was using the church as a propaganda center uh, to really present Jesus not as the savior of the world. They had no interest in that, but as really the great you know, social reformer, as sort of the champion of the state. And so they took away all the divine aspects of the Bible, uh, you know, so much so that, you know, it, uh, Eric Metaxas in his book mentions that, you know, it's almost as if they were replacing the Bible with Mein Kampf and the, and the crosses mm-hmm. with swastikas. And so, you know, we're seeing that in many ways here. Um, we're seeing that in many ways today with, uh, with the left is sort of trying to use this message. And I'm in South Bend, Indiana. I'm a red state in a blue county. Uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg, who ran for the Democratic uh, uh, presidential candidate, you know, is our mayor here. And, you know, you Sorry in downtown South Bend, where my, yeah, yeah, me too, uh, we're still recovering. Um, where my, where my uh, office is downtown, I'm right across from the mayor's office. And within about a four or five block radius, almost every single church around has a rainbow flag and has a Marxist BLM flag out front. And those are flying higher than the cross now. And so we are seeing this, I think, mm-hmm. not just in a state like Indiana, but this is something people are experiencing around the country. And, you know, I think that we have to reject liberation theology and we have to reject, you know, Marxism, not only from coming into the state, but also from coming into the church. I think you raise an excellent point here. So, and I just want to take it step by step because to me, this is incredibly important. And people are probably listening thinking, Rich, you never get really overboard with the religious stuff. And I usually don't. The reason I'm doing it now, A, because it was National Day of Prayer, you know, just a few days ago, but also because I think it's incredibly important to realize that so many of our institutions in the United States, our media, our government, our educational system, and our religious institutions are under siege, right? And the way you you laid it out here, the Christian left, how liberal thought hijacked the church, and we're on with Lucas Miles, uh, Pastor Lucas Miles, I think is a a great uh, and catchy title. And if you guys want to get the book, make sure you do. But I, I think it's important to realize what is some of the damage that you see? Because I think some people hear this and they go, so you guys are bigots. You're just a pair of bigots. Do you think that it's <laughs> wrong for the rainbow flag to fly higher than the cross? You know, who who makes Jesus the end all be all? And that's probably a different debate for another day. But I think it is an important thing to know that within the the um, the church of Christ as a whole, this has never been the case, right? We've never had an acceptance of, of sin. I think there was always a, um, a consensus that, that that lifestyle was sinful. And, you know, the envelope seems to be moving, but you would have a way better sense on that than me. What's your thought on that? Yeah, so first of all, I mean, I've traced this back, and in the book, The Christian Left, I go back actually as far as the 1700s to really show how progressivism really began with the post-Enlightenment, you know, period with philosophers like Voltaire and Kant and others that began introducing sort of this, this model of biblical criticism. Uh, that began to really sort of downgrade the Bible from being this traditionally held 
uh, place as the Word of God, uh, just sort of maybe being a good history book or sort of, a, a, you know, having a lot of good sayings in it, but maybe a mixture of mythology and, and you know, factual accounts. And so um, why does that matter? Well, if somebody, you know, if there's somebody isn't a Christian, maybe this doesn't sound very concerning to them. But what we are seeing here is just one of the many ways that the left is really, uh, and again, by leftists, we're saying, you know, Marxists, you know, et cetera, that they are trying to really revise history and, and, and ensure that the church becomes sort of this, uh, this beacon of, of leftist propaganda. You know, Mikhail Gorbachev was one of the first ones to say that, you know, Jesus was the first great socialist. And the reality is Christianity is completely antithetical to socialism. And, you know, we see Jesus promote personal responsibility. Uh, we see him, you know, really teach concepts that are completely rejected by socialists. But with biblical, with this kind of uh, a leftist biblical criticism that's being introduced, it's sort of a way of just sort of crossing out any sort of verse that, that contradicts their ideology. And in order to really make the Bible say whatever they want it to say, the same way that we're seeing with their history books and the Constitution and everything else that the left is addressing as well. And so, you know, this is a problem for anybody that really views themselves as a conservative or as a Christian uh, that they need to be aware of. And I really, in this book, uh, The Christian Left, I try to provide sort of a roadmap back to Orthodox Christianity to ensure that the foundations of our faith are not deteriorated or eroded. You know, and I, that was a very concise way of putting it. Uh, but I, I think, you know, just to add with that, I think there's an analogy that came to mind for me, which is just imagine if someone were to go to your children and say, listen, your parents are very nice people and they mean well, but what they say is not the rules of your life. What they say are mere suggestions. You know, you should make your bed. You shouldn't use drugs. You shouldn't kill people. But, you know, they're just simply suggestions. It, it seems that that is what the progressive left has done with uh, the gospel. So we're talking about 2,000 years of church history now, well-documented. And I know we hear people all the time, oh, Bible's not reliable. Anybody who says that does not understand history, and they don't understand the academic approach to the translation of Scripture. Uh, the Bible is, is, you know, I mean, it's something like 99% reliable. When we had the Dead Sea Scrolls, we were able to compare those. I mean, there's so much that has gone into ensuring that the translations that we have today are reputable and they are in line with their original language. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, then you're free to do that. And I'll, as an American, I'll actually die for your right uh, to not believe in the Bible. But for those of us who are Christians, it's important that we call Christianity what it is. And what we have the left doing today is they're introducing sort of this pseudo-Christianity that is sort of Christianity with all of the, the spiritual aspects removed. It's a secularization of the church that is attempting to be done to where we keep the culture of the church, but we remove anything that addresses uh, you know, any sort of lifestyle issues that, uh, um, you know, maybe conflict with a leftist agenda. And so, you know, by doing so, they've removed doctrines of original sin. They've removed, you know, removed doctrine about the infallibility of Scripture. And so all of this has been downgraded to really fit the left's agenda. You know, we're seeing this, um, you know, for instance, uh, Senator Warnock in Georgia, you know, at Easter saying that there was something more transcendent than the cross of Christ or the resurrection of Christ. Uh, wow. You know, it's this sort of mindset. I would love to know what that is, if there is something more transcendent. Uh, than <laughs> what have we been doing all these years? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, I would gladly, you know. And so we're seeing statements like that. And, you know, some of these guys, and whether it's, whether it's Mayor Pete here in South Bend or Warnock, I mean, these guys are poster children of the Christian left who are really using Christianity. You'll never hear them talk about heaven, hell, forgiveness of sins, repentance, you know, uh, anything like that. It is really a form of Christianity that is that is focused on sort of the socialist agenda, Marxist agenda, 
And, you know, in theology, we call that liberation theology. Uh, but it's really just propaganda for whatever the state wants to pump out next. All right. So we're on with uh, Lucas Miles. He's the author of The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. And, uh, Pastor, tell us, I guess, uh, you know, to wrap it up, what's your admonition to every American listening? We've got people all across America that listen to this program. And they're always asking me, what can we do? And I guess whether they're Christians or non-Christians, you kind of need to stand in solidarity with people because imagine if the left right now, they're not going after the Muslim faith uh, and maybe they are, but you know, in a, in a minor way, but it's only a matter of time before they go after the Jews and they go after uh, the Muslims and, and they d- begin to secularize what were once, you know, spiritual uh, religions. So I guess, how do we stop this idealism driven attack on the truth of of our faith as ordinary everyday people. Yeah, somebody out there might say, well, I'm not a Christian, and so this doesn't apply to me. Marxism is an enemy of every religion. And if we're talking about just religious freedom in general, if we want to keep religions uh, sort of the, the, the essence of what they are intact, then we have to reject Marxism because it is seeking to really you know, revise and, and, and amend every single religion to get it to be subservient to it. And so as a Christian, this is highly important for me, but I think this should also be something that, that somebody who is, is Jewish or, or Muslim should, should be aware of, because if it's not today, they're going to be coming for your, you know, place of faith tomorrow. And so, you know, this book has already been number one on Amazon in three different categories. We're seeing so much excitement around this and people that are just writing me saying, thank you for writing this. You've said things that my, my pastor, you know, is, is, has been afraid to talk about. We have pastors afraid of losing their 501c3 status you know, for speaking out or being afraid of, of cancel culture in these things. And so, you know, I, I really wrote The Christian Left to uh, to empower uh, people with with really arguments to refute some of these things, because it sounds so convincing. You know, it's all these great words and phrases and people explain, well, what, doesn't Jesus love everybody? And doesn't Jesus, wouldn't he be for open borders? And, you know, wouldn't Jesus be for, for this or that? And it, it's all just sort of this... Uh, uh, you know, um, Marxist language that's cloaked in intellectualism. And it's really deceptive for a lot of people. They don't know how to refute it. So I really wanted to kind of give this uh, manifesto, if you will, of, of sort of arguments against uh, sort of this, this Christian socialism message uh, that people could read through and really find that roadmap back to biblical Christianity and really learn how to stand up for their faith in, in such a time as this. All right. Well, he is uh, Pastor Lucas Miles. I want to thank you for joining us. The book is The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. Make sure you get the book. Uh, Pastor, tell us where they can find the book. Yeah, absolutely. It's available Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. If you want to support me directly and get an autographed copy, you can go to lucasmiles.org, and we're shipping autographed copies all month. Perfect. Well, thank you again for joining us. And this is why I always say, we have to join the fight. And here it's the, the fight against uh, liberation theology, because this is, again, this is the critical race theory that's happening in the university. This is what's happening in the church. And we have to stand for something. You've heard me say that. That's a quote from Hamilton. If you stand for nothing, you'll absolutely fall for anything. And you also need to do something about it, right? That's why Sir Edmund Burke and others say that the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. 
So don't sit there and do nothing. Do something. Make sure that you're making your voice heard. Make sure that your action is being felt, that you stay within the, obviously the confines of the law and of your faith and, and your own moral compass and you do the right thing, but you don't stay silent because staying silent is going to cost us a lot. It's already costing us our colleges. It's costing us uh, our news agencies. It's costing us many different layers of our government. And ultimately, it's going to cost us the culture of our country overall. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, America. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.